Some stories are so ingrained in our imaginations that it only takes a phrase or just a few words or sometimes even just an image to bring the entire story back to our minds. For instance, if I say the words glass slipper, immediately I see some chuckling. Many of you start thinking about an evil godmother or an evil stepmother, a fairy godmother, and a royal ball, right? If I say one ring to rule them all, many of you start thinking about the hobbit's heroic journey to Mordor. There are lots of examples like this where stories just come flooded back to our imaginations with a small phrase. Stories stick with us. Our own stories also have a way of shaping us, of making us who we are. Stories about ourselves remind us who we are. Our story this morning is a story that did both of those things. It's a story that can be recalled with just a few words. Moses parts the sea. But it's also a story that shaped an entire people group for ages to come and still does to this day. It's a story that defined who they were and who they are. And this is not by accident. In fact, it was God's plan before these events took place. Leading up to this story, God says, remember this day. And he also says, you shall tell your children about what is about to happen in this story. It's clear that it was God's intention that this story would have ramifications for generations upon generations. This morning, we're going to dissect this story a little bit. Uh, specifically, we're going to pay attention to the actions that take place in each verse. We're going to look for who is performing the actions and, and why. So I encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, to open it to Exodus chapter 14. If you have a Bible at home, please open it. We're going to try to keep the words on the screen, although the, the chunks that I'm looking at don't always fit on the screen nicely. So if you want to be able to see the whole thing, um, I encourage you to, to go ahead and do that, even if it's an app on your phone or something like that. So let's dive into this story that defines the people of God in Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 to 31. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night." Here in verses 19 and 20, there are actually two big actions taking place. They're connected, uh, but, but certainly uh, have their own characteristics. There are two characters, too, the angel of God and the pillar of cloud. Now, the pillar of cloud, you may recall, is what the Israelites are, are following and what they will continue to fall throughout their time journeying through the wilderness. The angel of God is a little bit more unique of a phrase. The last time it appeared in Exodus is at the story of the burning bush. 
Regardless, the action here is the same from both of them. These manifestations of God have been going in front of the army to lead them, but now they both move to the back to guard them. God is showing the Israelites that He's going to keep them safe. And then the second action that takes place is the cloud even provides light throughout the night. It's it's worth it to take a pause here in the story before we go on. Prevent your imaginations from wandering ahead to what comes next. Here is the Israelite army, which really isn't much of an army at all, but just a traveling group of people. The Egyptians are pursuing them, and their army is described earlier in verse 6, which says, So Pharaoh had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 picked chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. This is a well-organized military. This is an actual army. The Israelites are now stuck between this army and the Red Sea. There seems to be absolutely no hope for a way out. No path forward. Imagine the terror these people had. Some of you may be here in this story with the Israelites. A place that seems hopeless and with no way forward. Take a look and see what comes next. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. Again, we get two actions. One is incredibly simple. The other is the most preposterous thing I can imagine. All Moses does is stretch his hand out over the sea. That's it. God didn't ask him to do some incredibly difficult task. But God responds to this simple act of obedience by Moses by moving the sea, turning the sea into dry land, dividing the waters. In times of desperation, we often feel like we need to do something big when really God is calling us to simple, everyday obedience. What if if we only live in simple obedience, God will make a way where there was no way before? This story is a story that God uses to identify Himself to the Israelites. God wanted to be known as the God who brought them out of Egypt. God wanted to be known as the God who makes a way when there was no way. What if God still wants to identify himself like this today? What if God is calling us to simple acts of obedience and desires to open up new paths forward for us? For us individually and us as a church. Verse 22, the Israelites went into the sea on dry ground. 
the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Following the example of their leader, Moses, the Israelites now take their turn in completing a small act of obedience. They walked. (laughs) They walked into the path that God had opened for them. They move. It was not a path that they had imagined, certainly not one they could have predicted, but they move into the sea on dry ground through the waters. I know oftentimes when I look back at my life and I see where God was directing me, it's funny to think how that's not the path I would have predicted. But God has a way of making a path where there was not one before. Verse 23, the Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them. All of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. Now we get some actions from the villains of the story. The Egyptian army didn't give up. Even though they're witnessing this incredible scene before their eyes of the waters being parted, they're still in hot pursuit. And here we see the reality that we Christians experience still today. That even when we are following God, even when we are on His paths, even when we are walking in the way that He has laid out before us, the enemy is still in pursuit. You and I are not free from the pursuit of the enemy. As a pastor of this church, I'm well aware of the struggles that many of our people here are facing. It would be disingenuous of me to say, follow God's path that He's setting out for you and everything will be fine. But I have to also acknowledge that the enemy is still in pursuit and you and I still have to deal with struggles. And not not just small things. Sometimes these are big things. The writer of Exodus wanted to remind us That the enemy pursuing the Israelites was also not just a small thing. Because he describes it again, even though he's already told us what the Egyptian army looks like. He says, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers were reminded this is a big military coming after them. Verse 24 and 25 At at the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. This is an action-packed two verses. The first action in verse 24, though, could be easily overlooked but it could be what we need to hear the most. Do you ever feel as if God hasn't noticed you? When you're in times of struggle, do you ever wonder, does God really see me? Here in verse 24, we are told that the Lord in the pillar looked. The Lord looked. And I want you to know this morning that God still looks. He sees you. He sees your joys and He sees your sorrows. You have not gone unnoticed to Him. The next part is really cool. 
God doesn't just look, but He acts. He throws the Egyptian army into a panic and clogs their wheels. It's apparently so bad that the Egyptians recognize that the Lord is fighting against them. One thing I really like about this scene is if you imagined it like a movie, that this would be a scene that the Israelites simply aren't in. (laughs) We're seeing the Egyptians and their wheels on their chariots being clogged and they're thrown into a panic and the Lord is battling them. But the Israelites are still on their, their walk. They're still journeying. And it makes me wonder, how often is God fighting for me when I'm not even aware? Verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at dawn, the sea returned to its normal depth. God again speaks to Moses and asks of him a simple task, a small act of obedience. But in that small command, God is showing that he is not only the God who makes a way where there is no way. He's not only the God who protects and fights off the enemy, but he's also a God who speaks. God said to Moses. Maybe he wants to speak to you today as well. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. Here at the conclusion of this incredible story, It's not the Israelites, but the Lord who has final victory over the enemy. Not just in part, but the whole. The chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Yes, we as Christians continue to experience suffering. We continue to experience the pursuit of the enemy. But we do so with the knowledge that we serve a God who will have final victory over His enemies. Verse 29, But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. They walked. They walked on dry ground. Here at the end of this story, we see a part of the story that will continue to define who the Israelites are. They are the people who walked on dry ground. They are the people whom God saved out of Egypt. They are the people for whom the Lord brought them through the waters. Christians, through your baptism, Christ has brought you through the waters. You who were trapped between the sea and the enemy were provided a way. In your baptism, you joined this story of the Israelites and are now defined by this story. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. 
Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. The Israelites saw what God did for them. And it moved them towards fear of the Lord and belief in the Lord. It moved them towards greater faith. And time and time again, when they needed a renewed faith, they reflected on this story. Earlier in the service, Pastor Phil invited you to reflect on stories in your past. From a time when God showed Himself to be faithful to you or someone you know. These stories are more than just memories. They can serve as reminders to us of who God is. The Israelites were constantly telling their story because they knew they needed to be reminded that they served a God who saved them. They served the God who was able to make a way where there was no way. When the Israelites were carried off into exile centuries later, their psalms were filled with images of the God who brought them through the waters. Reflecting on the time when God saved them in the past gave them hope that God would do it again. Earlier in this service, we recited as an act of praise Psalm 77. We said aloud together, Your way was through the sea, our path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. We do not know the exact time period when this psalm was written, but we do know it was centuries later. And this is just one example of psalms written way later when they were remembering this story. The story when God saved them out of Egypt. In times of struggle, recall to your mind the stories of times when God showed Himself to be faithful. Because He will do it again. This morning we come to the table to remember a story. We come to remind ourselves of our story. That we were lost and God saved us. That we were dead in our sins with no hope of salvation. But God provided a way where there was no way. Through the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the waters have been opened. And you are invited to walk through them.